How do you manage finances of a creative project? Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made by Things, this is The Command Z Show. Welcome back to the Command Z Show. I'm Matt. And this is Shelby. Look at that. Look at us <laughs> we go. Didn't, I know, we didn't plan that at all, but <laughs> took a lot of pointing. You, you got I took part, my though. cue. I took it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, how are you doing, Shelby? Doing all right. I am so sorry if there is any coughing fits or if I just randomly leave the conversation for a moment. The world is changing here in good old South Dakota, so allergies are abound. So they're 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 yep. here, but you know, what we'll can get you do? through it. We'll <laughs> sneeze our way through this. Yep, that's all we can do. <laughs> uh, awesome. So uh, let's uh, let's let's jump right in. You have a question. We do have a question. Um, this question was posed by Matt. Yes, I yeah. I know yep. this person. <laughs> <laughs> So Matt, how do you manage finances of a creative project? That's a great question, Shelby. I know. I don't know how you thought of this, but <laughs> amazing. Uh, <laughs> yes, as Shelby said, this was prompted by me. Um, it's something that I I do spend a lot of time working through at this point with a little bit of a bigger team that we have on mm-hmm. on projects. It's something that we have to we have to think a lot about as um, kind of balancing this idea of we are a business, we ideally make money, but at the same time we also want to make the very best thing that we possibly can at any given point. Mm-hmm. So it it can be a really conflicting idea sometimes. But I was uh, given this question at a talk that I did recently for CSEA. And um, the question was along the lines of like, do you do anything that doesn't have anything to do with money? And I was like, wow, that's a great question. Because to be completely honest, all of my hobbies revolve around something financial in some way. Mm-hmm. And most of my hobbies are also creative related. So mm-hmm. um it, it had me thinking about this question, uh, and that's that's why we are kind of going to jump into this. So let's go. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Here we go. So to answer the question in the simplest way, a lot of the planning for finances on a project take place before the project happens, right? Like, more often than not, the the, the normal process for a project for when we have a client anyway is they'll reach out to us and say, okay, Hey, this is generally what we want to do. Um, what's it going to cost? Like that's, that's the first thing that everybody wants to know is what's it going to cost. And for us, we always have to try to figure out, okay, like we can, we can spend some money. Like we could spend some serious money if we had it, if we, you know, if we were just dedicated to creating the art, we can spend millions of dollars on something really cool. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, we always try to understand where people are uh, willing to invest in this project, basically. And sometimes that amount that we are told, more often than not, it's it's we're told that like, okay, the budget is on the lower end of spectrums. That's... I don't know why that is, but it just always seems to be, <laughs> not always, but it seems to be there quite a bit. So for us, it's like, all right, great. I appreciate you letting us know. Now let's figure this out. Like, how do, can, like, can we, can we do anything really special with that, with that mm-hmm. budget? But the first place that I go is understanding what our team's costs are. Um I need to understand, okay, who, how many people are involved in this project? What is that timeline of it? And um, 
what I mean, just like any business, you need to understand what how much something's going to cost, and then you need to understand what kind of profit margin, if any, there is. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll, I'll start there by saying that profit margin with creative services is almost never talked about because I think that people often forget that this is this is a business just like a bakery, just like a, a metal fabrication shop, mm-hmm. just like a gas station, right? And all of those things, every single one of them, if they're any bit successful, has some kind of profit margin attached to them. So the goal should never be to survive, right? If if it should be to be able to do a little bit more than survive so you can thrive and be able to do bigger things, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not so that you can, in, in my eyes anyway, uh, it's not so you can collect profits so you can start driving really expensive sports cars, um, which I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, we'll, we'll call them, <laughs> uh, especially younger ones, have these kind of visions of. And to me, I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's fine. Everybody can have their dreams. But to me, I'm like, that's not fun. Like, <laughs> that's, I don't know. Good. It's job. a little bit more worthwhile to be content and be able to do new creative things. To be able to have that ability as opposed to, oh, let's all drive fancy sports cars. It's like, okay, this financial security allows us to take risks and do bigger things. Right. And I think that that's a common thing, a common trait that's shared among most creative people, Mm -hmm. creative professionals, we'll say. Um, Not to say that you can't make some serious bank as a creative Mm -hmm. person. But it's just, that's generally how we all feel. Yeah. So going back to this idea of profit margin, some people forget that there should be this profit margin or they choose to ignore it because they feel like they're selling out or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're not starving, right? If they're not a starving artist, then they're doing it wrong. That's the number one thing. That could be an entire podcast. We need to, we need to get rid of the idea of the starving artist. It needs to die. Right. It really does. Um, so, so anyway, what, what I'm looking for is like, okay, what are, what are my costs as a business owner, mm-hmm. the staff that we would need on something like what's, what's the minimum staff and what's the nice to have, uh, what would, what's the, yeah, we could definitely do something really, really special. Like it's trying to figure out what all these, these numbers mean. Yeah. And it's taking those numbers and comparing them I mean, I'm not going to get too much into like pricing. I, I don't know if we've done an episode on that already, but check that out if we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, you know, once you have an agreement with a client of like, okay, this is the budget that you have. Now make something great with that. Mm-hmm. So going back to that question now that I was asked during that talk that I did. Like one of the one of the main reasons that I love doing things that involve money is because to me, money is a part of the framework of being creative, just like brand guidelines or a font would be. Well, uh, the financial side of it is the same to me. So like I love to try to, you know, fill the room with all the different things that I'm going to need to be able to create something. And again, money is one of those things where if you have $10 to do something, you're obviously going to do it differently than if you had $10,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars. You know, based on all of that, like you could still do good work at any of those, at any of those points. Um, But obviously that affects where your ideas or how maybe how scrappy you need to be with some of your ideas. Because yeah. <laughs> obviously, if you're on that million dollar side, you're, you're like, I got a whole crew of people that specialize in all these different areas. But if you're on the $10 side, it's like, well, maybe you can rent Adobe software for a month. And <laughs> maybe I don't even think that'll do it at this point. But um, but still, like there's that's the range of, of different places that you can go with these things. So what I like to do is, again, just kind of 
you know, understanding what are, what are the budgets that we're working with? What is the ideal number that we would have in mind? Where do we fall? And then trying to figure out from there, like, okay, based on all of this, how creative, I, I shouldn't say how creative can we be? Because I think it's all creative, but it's like, how, how can we pull together resources to bring this creative idea to life? Yeah. How far can we push this? Right. So like we, we have this conversation with clients all the time. Like if they are at that more the bottom end of that spectrum, it's like, okay, well maybe we can't do 3d animation. Maybe we can't do characters. Um, but there's, there's a lot of different ways to tell stories. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause for us, we, we know like, okay, Hey, that stuff's going to take us some time. Like if we were to try to rush and do something, you're not going to get something that's great. And I, and to me, honestly, I think one of the one of the parts that makes Made by Things special is because we we generally say no to those projects that don't allow us to do the best work that we can. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of maybe it's an added pressure, but it's like okay, if we say yes to something, we have to be able to do a good job on it. Like we don't just say yes to something because we got a couple of days and why not? Um, and um. So anyway, I think that's kind of the big thing there is like, okay, so no matter what, no matter how much money somebody has, like we have to be able to do good work with it. It's just how we go about doing that work is kind of the biggest difference. Um, So, you know, at that point we might say like, okay, like maybe this just has to stay like a more typographic treatment or... Maybe we just have to use assets that already exist in the brand or something. Um, But then from there, it's like, okay, like now how do we take all those things and how do we still do something really, really great and unique with them? Mm -hmm. And um, I guess on the other end of that spectrum, sometimes people offer up a budget that may be a little bit more than what we would kind of consider average. And those times, I mean, those are really exciting for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> um, the biggest one probably being that when we have extra budget, then we're able to throw extra resources at a, an idea. Mm-hmm. Or we can start using equipment that might cost a bit more to be able to use. Or be able to bring on specialists, on, on uh, like contractors that specialize in certain things. I always use like the example of like liquid simulations and stuff like that or or specific like 3D rigging artists. Like we don't we have people that on our team that are generalists that know those things, but whenever it's like a, a project specifically in that things, we can go out and find somebody like a freelancer for that specifically. A little bit more freedom. Right. And not only that, but it also opens up the possibility of like so, what we do is we put together a structure. Like, all right, we get two rounds of, of, of work in progress notes for each kind of area of the project, and um, whenever we're like at the lower end of that budget, sometimes it's like, hey, we really, really got to stick to this. Um, like, if we if we don't, then we go over budget, and then we have that conversation, which is not always the most comfortable thing. Nobody but, wants to have that conversation. <laughs> right. Nobody does. But then on the other end, whenever we have a budget that's a little bit more than average, well, we could easily be like, oh, yeah, you know what? You need us to change the color of that? No yeah. problem. Um, it's not so only it, a safety net for us in the right. creative business. It's a safety net as well for the client as well. Right. Because right. it allows them to be able to make those changes and ask for things and, you know, be able to push that project a little bit more. And be able to have a little bit more of a say in things as well. Right. And it's, when I think to like all of our, you know, best partners that we work with um, and the best work that we've ever done, Mm -hmm. that's probably the common thread is that we had a little bit more than average budget to work with. And uh, it does wonders, (laughs) right? Um, Obviously, that's not, that's not always the situation that we, we get to have, but um There's obviously a direct correlation between what you pay for and what you get. I mean, this doesn't just apply to creative services. This applies to pretty much everything in life. Um, You know, 
buying a car that's $10,000 as opposed to one that's $50,000, there's going to be a difference there. Um, probably. In most cases. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts, Shelby? Yeah, I think this is, this is interesting because, especially getting into, we, we don't like to think that the creative world and the financial world really intersect Mm-hmm. Um, but they do all the time. I mean, that's, that's not only what allows you to be able to be creative and be able to follow those visions. It also gives a little bit of, um, validation to the ideas as well. And we've chatted about this before is if, if you're creating something and people like it and it starts to bring in some money, there's a very solid validation that you can see and that you can track that what you're doing is right, that you're on the right track, that, you know, what you're creating makes sense and that people like. So there is a little bit of um, not only just the ability to create more, but the validation that what you're creating is good. Right. That's a, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think that, um, I think that one of the things that we're told quite often, I'm not trying to like, make this a big promotional piece for made by things here. <laughs> Probably sounds like it, but um, we're told quite often that we do really good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I believe it too. Um, I'm really proud of the work that we do. But I would bet that the work that we do costs more than average <laughs> to yeah. produce. Right. Um and that's, that's, that's something that's always a struggle, right? Like there's, there's some people that are like, Hey, we got like this much money. Can we do something with it? And it's like, we can't, honestly, I'm not sure who can, but it's crazy if they can like go yeah. work with them. <laughs> um, cause they're either undercharging, uh, offering you some really discounted prices or they are promising something that they probably can't deliver on. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that could be a problem, obviously. No, there's obviously exceptions to it, right? I'm, I'm certainly not saying that there are, there are a lot of like individual freelancers out there in this world that are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, they do cost more than others. Um, <laughs> there are some small teams that do some amazing work. There are big teams that do crap work. And yeah. so that, that's kind of the, the tricky thing as well. And I'm not going to name names here. <laughs> I should, that'd be great. No. <laughs> A real, a real gotcha episode here. Tea with Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so like it's it's weird how it all kind of works out, but mm-hmm. um, so like what what could be considered a low amount to us might be a higher amount to some other people out there. Yeah. But I think that in general, if we're speaking in general terms, the more money that you spend on something, the higher the quality is going to be, the better the communication, um, the better the experience as a whole is likely going to be for a person or uh, a partner. Um, let's see. Let's, uh, let's bring in your... Uh, we kind of talked about this, I think, uh, a few weeks ago. Your... Mm-hmm your film that you made yeah uh from from a financial aspect there anything that you'd want to share i'm not forcing it here i'm just curious oh no i'm i'm pretty transparent i'm the queen of scrappiness though um Mm -hmm. i mean i make things on low budgets favors and friendships that's that's kind of how i do things um and it's because i it's for the sake of the art it's for the sake of being creative And one thing about it is when you don't have the budget, you find other ways. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's time. And I've talked about this before. Time is one of the, uh, my, my biggest assets. And it's the thing that I have the least amount of. So when somebody is willing to give me their time to work on something, I know it's special. I know that there's something there. And later on, hopefully I can pay everyone. And we can find that monetary side of things. But being able to just have the time and to afford to be able to have the time, that's another thing. Because you need to be able to take that time away from what you might be doing, making money someplace else, and 
put it towards this other this other um, opportunity, this other project. So it's kind of that it's that little bit of a balance of can you afford to be able to put your time and effort into this other creative space, which plays a lot into you know if you're especially if you want to be able to do you know if you're making a creative film or something like that or you wanting to do another project, making sure that you have other projects that can pay the bills while you're working on some of the the wilder concepts. Right. Um, I'm curious what would happen if you had, how do I say this? I, I, I love the concept. I mean, you're, you're totally right. Like I, I know that you're super scrappy and just how you put things together. You, you are an artist. Um, and Thanks, you, if, if there was one word that I would give you, it would be that, um, you're welcome. <laughs> um, that means a lot. <laughs> but I'm I'm so curious what would happen if you won the lottery. Let's say. Um, I don't know. Like I, I'm just like, what would Shelby do? What would an artist do if they came into? I don't want to say endless supply of money, but like if you came into just a very very large amount of money, do you a this is multiple choice. <laughs> um, do you a uh, retire and I'm done? I'm just going to relax and enjoy my life. Go travel, maybe. I don't know. That's a. Do you b um, use all of that money towards your projects and making something much bigger uh, without the care of ever making money from it? Mm -hmm. or and let's throw c out there use your skill set as an artist to try to grow that money to i mean keep essentially keep making more money off of that to keep making more projects keep just doing more what do you of those three things it's That's, A, isn't it? <laughs> I hate A. I hate A so much. You said A and it's like, oh, it's just like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You know, I just having the idea of sitting around, like the idea of retirement scares me. It's absolutely mm-hmm. frightening to me. I mean, the idea of having like unlimited time or whatever, awesome, great, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But not having specific things that I can focus on and put my energy into, terrifying. I hate that idea. If And B, B is a struggle too, because honestly, if I came into a lot of money and, you know, say even, say even I got a million dollars for a project, one project, I don't know what to do with that. I'm scrappy. It's like, what right. am I going to do with a million dollars? That's like five projects. Like, I mean, there's, there's so many things that that's, that's there's, I could do a million things with that, you know, yep, it's. Right. A dollar per project. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's a fun it's, game. <laughs> it's such a complicated thing for me because I'm so used to. Okay, how do we budget as low as possible? Who can right. we use? Where do we find people? Um, you know, and honestly, like even the idea of okay, well, maybe I could get like like a, a, a higher like a, a really well-known actor or something like that, right? I like using actors that don't always get those opportunities because yeah. I like to be able to provide those opportunities. I like bringing people in that wouldn't usually be able to be on a project just because it's such a more right. it's a much more interesting process mm-hmm. and they have unique um, perspectives on things that you know somebody that's been very successful or has had a lot of opportunities given to them they're not going to have those same perspectives we can see a little bit more eye to eye because we've all had to be scrappy at some point. Um, See, I think like if I were to come in to a lot of money, I would just want to make as many things as I could and just make them well and just keep building it up to make more and more things. I think about, you know, obviously French new wave and I love like Godard, Varda, and going to, I've been going through um, the entire Ingmar Bergman catalog, which is Swedish film. But I've been going through all of that. And like Godard and Bergman, they could make two to three films in a year. You mm. know, especially like Bergman in the 50s. It's just film after film after film. Godard in the 60s. I mean, three movies in a year. That ability to just say, okay, here, I'm writing. I mean, since 
September of last year, I've written two features, and right now I'm working on another one, and I'm producing another feature, and I just finished filming my other one and premiered that. So that's like, that's five movies that are all kind of simultaneously in the works. If I had unlimited money and resources, it would just be creating all day, every day, all the time, make another movie, another movie, another movie, not a big deal. Um, And just letting them kind of, you know, residually build up, get distribution on that one, go to the next one, and just letting, you know, the profits from one movie continue to rise, put that into the next. Because for me, I don't, as an artist, I don't see like, oh, yeah, I have like so much money in my bank account. It's awesome. Everything's growing. Because I I just want to be able to make something and make something for the next project and let that build. And whatever money I make off of this last project, I put it into the next. Because I don't care about the fancy sports cars. I don't care about the big mansion. I care about what I'm creating. Right. Well and maybe said. that makes me silly, but that's just what I like. No, that's, what I care that's about. about what I expected. Yeah. Um, and that, that's probably similar to what I would do. I think it's also very interesting. I, I believe there's probably a 10-year age gap between us, something around there. Yeah, mm. something like that. So it, it's interesting to, th- to think about how I used to think compared to how I think now. Mm-hmm. And... Option A is interesting to me. I will say that. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't choose it, but I would say that it's... I would have a harder time choosing against it now at 35 than I did at 25. Um, I don't know. It's not that I necessarily feel like I'm getting older. I, I feel like... Um, maybe a part of it is that I, I feel fulfilled in a lot of the things that mm-hmm. I've created. Um, I mean, there, there are still big goals that I have, but it, it doesn't become as important to me to just make a thousand different things. Yeah. I think at this point I'm more focused into, or becoming more focused anyway, into like, let's make a, one or two really, really great things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So to me, this idea of like, what if I was able just to relax and, you know, sit by the river and write a book (laughs) (laughs) and not like, not even have to worry about like selling it. It's just writing a, writing a book just for the sake of my kids just so they can read it something like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love that idea, but I would get so bored at about two and a half weeks in. That's my thing. <laughs> that I'll just be like, okay. Um, so yeah, op- option B we talked about. Um, option B almost is like blowing it all on one big thing, I guess. Uh, one big project, maybe. Um, that's that's also that's a little bit more interesting to me. Because like I was saying before, like... If I if I did have just a lot of money to just do one big thing, it would definitely be an animated feature film. Mm-hmm. And to be able to just be like, you know what? Okay, like let's take the next two years just trying to write a story. The production timelines that Pixar gets and Disney and DreamWorks, man, I would just love that. Um, not to say that they're doing things that are easy, but... When you have that amount of time to do something, also when we're talking budgets here, there's, you know, we're, we're in the hundreds of millions of dollars that we're talking about. Um, so also something to consider. <laughs> um, so whenever someone's like, hey, we want like a Pixar style film, like great. So let's look up what the latest budget was. <laughs> um, it's like, let's do that. Um, so... But anyway, like I, I love that idea of being able to focus a lot longer term on something just really big. Mm-hmm. Um, but option C, I think that's kind of, I mean, that's essentially the path that I feel like I'm on right now is like, 
I mean, not necessarily like it's just a truckload of money that we get to pull from, but it's. I'm gonna say, where, where's that, Matt? Let's make yeah, some <laughs> It's not here. I don't know. Is that your house? <laughs> it's the dangers of a remote team. Uh, <laughs> everyone hides the money in different places. <laughs> um, but I guess that's kind of like what I've like. We we are we we have been growing the team, and to me, that's like that's why we're not growing the team just so we can make more money. Um, it's not always the clearest thing to me um, because it did, the the team has grown more than I was kind of expecting it to. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of one of those things that for me, that's what I'm trying to grasp, grasp still and try to understand. It's like our, as a team, we can't just take the next eight months and create a film, but um, we're getting closer. (laughs) I know Mm -hmm. that much. So it's like, it's this idea of like, we we do some projects that uh, do a little bit more than, than pay the bills. Yep. And for us, it's like, yeah, that's great. Um, we, we work with some really great people along the way, but we're also building towards something bigger. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, it's like, yeah, I, I'm trying to get on that path of like, being able to get one thing financed or self-finance something really big. And then hopefully that makes more money. Then we get to finance something a little more big until we eventually get to the point where we get those Pixar budgets <laughs> and exactly. those Pixar timelines. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that's, that's what it is for me. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. This is not related to money necessarily. But at what point do you become fulfilled as an artist? Matt, you're my therapist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start paying you. Um, yeah. yeah, let's do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, I don't think I ever really will. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I'll be on my deathbed, like 80, still pumping out another script, another story, (laughs) something. I just, I don't think, like for me personally, is when I'm working and when I'm going about my day-to-day, there's always another story. There's always something else. You know, it's every conversation I hear in a coffee shop. It's Anytime I go out into the world, when I'm scrolling on my phone, there's so many little stories that I tuck away into a notes app that I put into a journal. I think, okay, this is a story for later. This is a story that I'd like to tell. This is a character I'd like to create. You know, there's, I mean, there's, there's scenes that I see. It's like, this is an image that I want to produce at some point in my life. And there's thousands of them. And for me, I just, I can't see myself finally hitting that one final work I go this is it I don't need to create anything else after this I have I've made it I'm happy I'm fulfilled right because I think at that point you for me personally I would feel like I stopped growing and I Mm -hmm. never want to feel like I've reached a point where I'm no longer growing I want to be 80 or 90 just still creating still making new stories because I just don't want to stop. Right. I think that... I think it's, that's another one of those things that's probably easier to say the younger you are. Yeah. Um, not to say anything's wrong. I mean, I feel the same way where I'm like, I don't want to stop. I don't, I don't ever see myself stopping. I think up until a couple of years ago that's where it was kind of difficult for, for me to get away from like actually being involved in the animation day to day Mm -hmm. and like in the software, actually making keyframes. Um, because when I was younger, I was like, I'm just going to animate my whole life. That's great. I love that life. But then it got to a point where I'm like, I just didn't feel like I was, I don't know. I guess I was just looking for a new challenge one day. And at first I was like, well, that's not good. Because <laughs> like, well, that's that's not what 20-year-old Matt would have wanted, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, and I, I'm not going to say the quote, but you all know it. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, 
we, I guess me specifically, I was like, is that the person that I'm, I have to be from now on? It's like, no, no, you don't. You can decide to take on different challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just fully embrace that at a certain point where I'm like, you know what? I don't really care how I'm creative. I have a certain level of skill in a lot of things, but I'm also fine with not like doing things in a way where I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then sometimes it's like, okay, maybe we can get somebody that does know how to do this thing. I mean, live action video is one of those examples. Mm-hmm. Our team recently started offering that as a service. And it's something that we are able to direct. But when it comes to like getting hands on with cameras and all this stuff, that's not something that our team really does. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can bring in some really trusted partners that we have to be able to help us with those things. Yeah. And it's it's fun to me to be able to help direct or creatively direct projects where we couldn't essentially do that skill ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a big part of what that financial side of things unlocks. Um, when you're able to get people in that are just really good at things. Like, to me, that's, you know, whenever I started growing the team, I was like, that's that's one of the coolest things to see people uh, really good at a certain skill set, just just better better than me at, at things. I love to see that. Like, I, I don't know. I love to, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if mentor is the right word, um, but I guess maybe in a way it is. Like, I, I like to, to mentor those people on our team to help them get even better. Um, I, I don't know. Like I always think about like, cue the sports metaphors here. Um, (laughs) it's this thing in sports where whenever someone sets this all time record, well then years later, someone else is about to break that record. That person that previously held the record, they're usually in most cases, they're happy to see that being done. And I, I was never able to understand that until recently, where it's like, like, why wouldn't you want to always be at the very top? But it's like, it's different. It's still good to see people break your records in a weird way. Um, knowing that you paved a trail for somebody else is good enough mm-hmm. sometimes to... I, I imagine that's that's what that feeling kind of is, where it's like, that's great. Like, I still feel a part of this, even though yeah. they're now at the top of this thing, not me. Um, I think that's that's how healthy people <laughs> take it. I mean, they're, they're certainly the people that are like, no, I, I want to hold the record forever and whatever. <laughs> they think that's part of their legacy, right? That's um, their thing. They need to go to therapy for their thing. So. They do. Yeah. They come on the <laughs> Command Z show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but I think for me, it was like, yeah, you just, it's, it's really fun to be able to have those higher budgets to be able to bring some of these people in that are building on the foundation that, I don't know if this sounds arrogant or weird, but building on the foundation that I built to see what we can build together. Uh, cause it's certainly a lot bigger than I could have been able to do myself. Um, and yeah, I don't know, just the, the more budget, the, the, the more money we're able to, to do with that, the cooler the house becomes we built. This is getting crazy now. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I completely agree with you because that's something I think about, like, even with my little teams outside of, outside of made by things, it's always finding like for me, like like what I was saying, I like to be able to facilitate my little scrappy group of people and bring more scrappy people on um, because it, it does allow you to build everyone together, I think. You know, the, I work a lot with students. I bring students into projects all the time because they do have a really unique perspective and mm-hmm. they desperately want to learn new things. And I love that because I love working with people that want to learn and want to grow. So when you do have that kind of money and those type of 
you know, resources. It allows you to be able to bring people on and grow together based on what you've already built because you have to have some sort of platform to be able to mentor and help other people. And that's what, that's what money gives you is that, that security blanket of, okay, I'll be okay if I bring these other people on and we're not going to sink the ship together. You know, the, the ship will stay afloat and we'll be able to learn and grow as a, as a unit, as opposed to just me doing this on my own. Right. I think this was a, a big moment for me at the end of 2019, mm-hmm. where at that point, it was just me and one employee. And I was still very much into the projects. We basically just had two projects going on at any given point. But at the same time, I'm also trying to be the business development person. I'm also being the bookkeeper and accountant, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to run all aspects of the business including working in the business itself. Mm-hmm. And it, I felt like I had to because I was like, the, well, the budgets we have don't allow for for us to change that. So it was like, at that point, I was, I guess I'm speaking more to the creative people at, at this moment, but like, it's easy to kind of get caught up in this idea that, okay, well, I just, this is all I get. I can't really ask for anything else. Like, it's pretty common for people to get stuck at a certain dollar amount for their projects. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's because they've sort of, I think it's because they themselves feel like they're already charging too much and they're really worried. It's just the whole scarcity mindset where Mm -hmm. uh, they just don't have enough people knocking on their door. So they kind of have to take whatever they can get. That's the feeling anyway. So, that I say that because that's that's what I had where I was like I was like oh, how are we ever going to charge more than this on a project like this is all we ever get now I I have to kill myself over making this all work and yeah. working you know late hours and just stressing out severely about everything things falling through the cracks forgetting things like it was just falling it was so clear that I just I needed more people on the team but I just kept saying like no I don't have we don't have the budgets to do that until I decided shortly after this is, this is one of the biggest questions that I get. And this is not what we plan on talking about is like, how do you know when you can hire more people on your team? Yeah. It's the whole like chicken or the egg thing. Do I have to bring in the money first and then hire people or do I hire people and then ask for the money? Obviously that one sounds a lot more dangerous but to me, that's what I did. I was like, you know what? I, I can't run this thing like this. Yeah. So either it falls apart slowly, it dies slowly, or I tried to grow it and it dies quickly. <laughs> <laughs> or option C is we make it work. Yeah. And honestly, option C didn't wasn't really super clear to me at that time. But I was like, if this thing's going to fail then i'd rather it fail sooner rather than later because at that point i was just so exhausted where i'm like i can't i just can't do this so um that's whenever we added our first project manager to the team and then within a i guess it was probably about a year later we started adding more and more people to the team because well after i added that second person to the team i was like we're we're doing it like because our expenses got higher, I felt more comfortable asking for more money from from clients to be able to do the things. Because I'm like, this is just what it costs. And there was zero resistance to that. There there may have been a couple clients that dropped off. But other than that, there wasn't really much resistance. So I was like, that's interesting. And that, that gave me a lot of confidence to keep growing the team in areas that we saw fit, you know. Um so the, it's it's really weird to say that the second hire was actually more difficult than the first hire was, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how it was. Um, but at, at this point, it's like, um, yeah, I, I just again, the, the bigger our team gets, the better our work becomes. Now, I do think that there's a such thing as a team getting too big. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's probably a conversation for a different day. But I think I think that's something else that we've seen. Like I was saying earlier, it's not always the biggest company does the best work. Yeah. Um, they just have to spend a lot more money on simply managing resources, um, have multiple producers, um, <laughs> getting through everything. Um, they'll have people that just sit around and do nothing for some time. So they have to be able to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a hard thing to manage. Uh, again, not to, not hating on any larger companies out there. Some of them do incredible work, but I, I've seen a lot of companies that are really big teams that just don't do anything amazing. And, um, yeah, I mean, my, my goal again is always to, with whatever, whatever dollar amount we get, what's the greatest thing that we can make? Um, yeah, let's hear some, let's hear some final thoughts from you, Shelby. Yeah. I was just thinking like, there's the phrase of money can't buy happiness, but it can allow you to be content and secure and allow you to push yourself into your boundaries and what you do. And, you know, when it comes to terms of, you know, being able to hire people to help out, it really helps because you can't do everything on your own. And I mean, we, you know, this, I, I can't ask for help. I'm horrible at it. But that's because I have that scrappy mindset of I can do everything right. on my own and I've got this. But it gets to the point where you just can't you can't do it anymore and you have to have other people on board. And being in a financially stable position allows you to do those things. And that in turn allows you to make better work because you can put more effort into those those other areas and grow as a team and, you know, as a creative yourself. Um and so there, there is a, a direct tie between finances and creativity because to be really creative and to have the freedom to be creative, you have to have financial stability. Right. Yeah, that's good. I will say that in 2022, 78% of the project requests that we got said no because we charge too much. And on top of that, we had our best year financially ever. So I say that not to brag, but to basically say that you can still not be a good fit for 78% of people. That's a high number. And still be able to get the kind of money to do the best kind of work that you possibly can. That's probably the the thing that I attribute to the quality of our work more than anything is how many people say no to us. Yeah. It's such a weird, weird, weird concept. <laughs> but once you really wrap your head around it and you, you live it, you start to see that is really the thing. Um, you know, if, if we were to say yes to every project, we would do so much crap work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we'd probably make more money as a studio, but maybe, I don't know. Um, that's a tricky one because it also uses up our time and yeah. then we we wouldn't be able to do certain higher um, budget projects. Um, either way, it's it's kind of one of these things where until you start doing the best work that you've ever done, let me let me rewind for just a moment there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can't figure out how to do the greatest work that you can, you're going to be stuck in the position that you're currently in. Because if you start saying, hey, I need these really, really large budgets, people are going to say... Well, let me see how you've used a budget like that in the past. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, well, I've made this shit thing right here. And <laughs> and then they're going to be like, you're crazy. And you're done. You are you don't have a business. So, or, or a project, if that's mm-hmm. what you're after. So it, it is something that I feel like there are baby steps or little steps to take along the way. For sure. 
Like, I'm not saying, hey, start saying no to 80% of the people that, <laughs> that need your help. That's not what I'm saying. But if I'm trying to give some practical advice here on how to level up to bigger projects so that um, you can start doing really, really great work, you will always have to prove how great your work is first before that money is going to come. So don't yep. think that you're waiting for the money to come before you do the great thing. Exactly. It, you kind of have to do that backwards. And I say that to all the creatives out there and to, uh, I would guess, more on the client side or people that are looking to spend money. Um, the, all of this is an investment, right? It's if you don't have a, a lot of money to spend on this, then chances are it's not a very important problem to solve. And you should probably put that money somewhere else. Agreed. And I think that's probably one of the more common things that, that we see. Whereas if this is a serious thing that you really want to solve, if you need this thing to be good, you can't be afraid to put some money behind it. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's my final thought. I'm watching my mail lady drive in reverse right now. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a mail truck in reverse. I didn't even know they had that gear. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. All right. Anyway, um, cool. All right. Well, anyway, I appreciate you all uh, sticking around for minute 50 on this, uh, this, what was meant to be a shorter podcast, but here we are. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get out of here. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's uh, make sure we clean up on the way out, I guess. Okay, all right, listen. Thank you all, and love you, bye. The Command Z Show is created by Made by Things. And if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.